there's a column for that A1, A2, B5, B6, A, B9. Ooh, ooh, ooh. We know those are cells. Hello, welcome to our 12th episode of There's a Column for That. I'm your host, author, storyteller, and podcaster, Jamie Beth Cullen. Today I'm talking to UN program officer, cookbook author, and self-described groomzilla, Fernando Flores. Fernando and I went to college together in Northern Virginia, which is technically his home base, but he is currently living in Colombia doing refugee work through the UN on behalf of all of us. So thank you, Fernando. In our discussion, we cover whether you need one or two spaces after a period, Lotus 123, and how spreadsheets can help you make 5,000 cookies for a PTO project. It was so much fun and very informative. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at column underscore pod, and please be in touch. My chat with Fernando was recorded on Tuesday, December 22nd, and we're releasing it on February 1st. Please remember to wear your mask. Black lives still matter. Joe Biden is the rightfully elected president of the United States. And remember, spread sheets save lives. Welcome to There's a Column for That. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Where you're from, where you live, how you identify, what line of work you're in? Do you have hobbies or passions that take up a lot of your brain space? How do we know each other? Feel free to answer any and all. Oh, well, thank you very much, Jamie. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's great to be on the show. I've been a, a stalker. Well, I guess you're not a stalker if you actually listen to the podcast. That's not stalking. That's like meant to happen. So, uh, but uh, I, no, I, me, okay, uh, Fernando Flores. I am a military brat, so I live around the country and a little bit around the world. Um, but I've called home base uh, Northern Virginia for the last oh, 35 odd years. And for the last uh, 25 years, I have worked for the United Nations in some way, shape, or form. And most recently, I have worked for the United Nations Refugee Agency. And I am currently, right now, in uh, Cúcuta, Colombia, which is a town uh, on the Colombian-Venezuelan border. And my my day-to-day job is as glorious title is called a program officer and I always have to correct people because it's program with an extra m and an e at the end so it's not program like pass me the program it's program officer and what that basically means is that every office has an admin officer and has a program officer the admin officer deals with all of the day-to-day staffing and all that kind of budget stuff and the program officer deals with anything that directly deals with the people that we take care of the refugees it's pretty cool the columbia operation is the largest operation in the americas right now because of the refugee crisis and this office Kukuta, is um is the largest operation in that so what does that mean that means that we're on the front lines i've got the biggest budget of all the offices um and it means a lot of excel (laughs) a lot of excel wow so first of all i had no idea you were not home right now when we set this up so 
how long can you, do you want to talk a little bit about how long you'll be away? You're, I'm assuming your wife and kids are not with you. How is the pandemic? All of that. I, um, I arrived in Columbia about a year, not sure, about a year and a half ago. Um, and then I was here for a good seven months when pandemic hit. At first I was planning on writing it out here and I lasted for about all of seven days when I realized that this was not going to be something that just kind of blew over. And uh, so I, I managed um, to get permission to go back to DC uh, or to, to Fairfax and work from there. So my, my job is 99% um, teleworkable. So, so I was able to do that. It's a little bit difficult because a lot of, uh, of our work, we actually outsource to other uh, humanitarian organizations. So we're not health experts, so we bring the money, but then we, we then um, do partnership agreements with our, ex with our health experts, for instance. And in a normal circumstance, I would be visiting the projects, I would be visiting their offices, but given COVID, we scrapped all of that. Um, believe it or not, for the first time in 2020, the United Nations actually approved electronic signatures um, on our contracts. So that just goes to show where we were in life. Um, and so, so I went home and um, I was home for about eight months and then things, I guess, kind of calmed down a little bit and travel started up again. And so I came back to Columbia on the 1st of December. I'll probably go home again in January, February. And as far as just in general, I've actually been overseas now for almost four years or three and a half years. And um, all of the places that I've been to so far have been um, places where I can't take my family. So they've stayed in, in Northern Virginia. I'm scheduled to be in Columbia at least until the end of March of next year. And I'm waiting to find out where my next duty station will be after that. So wow. we'll see. Wow. <laughs> We'll see. I feel like all of the high school and college students who are obsessed with Model UN need to really uh. take in everything <laughs> you've said and understand what their future could hold for better or worse, right? Like it may very much appeal to some people. I'm sure it's very hard for you to be away from your family. No, it is. It's tough. It's tough. And uh, for me, it was kind of a midlife crisis type thing. I mean, I worked for the better part of 20 years in Washington, D.C. with the United Nations. Um, and, you know, some guys go out and buy a Harley and others decide that they want to go to the Angola Highlands and work with refugees. So I've been in Angola. I was on the Angola-Congo border for a year. And then I was in the Mexico-Guatemala border for six months. Now here for for a year and some change. I mean, not counting the time I was in DC, and then the next place could be anywhere. So wow. we'll see what happens. Wow. So yeah, Thank it you. is. But you're right, though. I mean, who would have thought? My little, you know, I did model UN. I was a model UNer. You you have these dreams of being in New York or Geneva or someplace exciting like that, and we do have people there, but. Um, at least for our organization, we're 17,000 people strong, and there's only about probably less than 1,000 are in Geneva. Everyone else is out in the field. We're field-based. That's what we do. Well, thank you for your work. And I'm, uh, I'm going to prompt you a little to talk a little bit about your other work. Do you want to talk about being a cookbook author? <laughs> yes. So when there's not enough time, you know, when, when you feel like you uh, need to achieve more in life, 
this was something that was completely not planned. And so my kids in my church, um, we had an event, uh, an activity that we did uh, through the school. My kids go to a parochial school, a Catholic school. And so it was an activity that we did part church, part school, where we did once a month a cooking class. Um, and it wasn't only for kids, it was actually open to the entire community, which was really cool because we had adults and whatnot come as well. But um, every month we did a cooking class, we picked a saint, and we picked a country, and uh, we made a meal. Fast forward about, oh, five or six years, we had a collection of these recipes, and someone suggested to us, what do you guys do with these recipes? And I used to make a booklet. I like to do graphic design as well. That's, you know, again, not enough things to do in my life. So um, I made these pretty little booklets up and whatnot. And we said nothing. We just keep them. We have them on my computer. And, and they said, well, you know what? You should put those together and make a, a cookbook. And the person that started the class, uh, Sandy, she retired and she looked at me and she said, look, it, I, I'll, I'll do this. I'll help. She's actually, I should preface this by saying she's a professional, retired professional writer. So uh, she said, I won't do this unless I have your help, Fernando. And I said, okay, fine. Anyway, we began down this track of, of getting a cookbook and by incredible fortune, right place, right time, we actually uh, were picked up by a publishing house. Now I know that, you know, you and I sort of had this, you know, you were doing your book and, and I was doing mine and there was all kinds of, uh, you know, commiseration there. And uh, and we we're really lucky. Buy it on Amazon. Cooking for Cooking with the Saints. We will Santa put Greeley. the we will put <laughs> in the show notes for sure. So thanks for sharing all of that. And also, I'll just say that we have known each other since undergrad. So we go way back because we're so. Boy. <laughs> Um, and you were a very close friend of one of my best friends. So I got to spend time with you both in college and since college, which has been lovely. So all of that aside, can you tell me a little bit about how you interact with spreadsheets in your work and or in your life? So, um, no, absolutely. So before I came into UNHCR, the United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees, I worked for another part of the UN, which is um, the Economic Commission for Latin America and the Caribbean, ECLAC for short. It's one of the five regional commissions. And as the name suggests, it's economics, economic commission. We did economic development work and from lowest level all the way up to big macroeconomic stuff. And so that really was the place where I got introduced to um, back then it was Lotus Notes, one, two, three. Um, and so <laughs> okay. that was, that's what's where I started. And that just shows our age. Um, and, you know, it, it was, it, I'm not an economist, so I never really had to do a lot of the big, uh, you know, use it for analysis purposes, but I was a research um, assistant. So oftentimes I would have to take, you know, the documents and whatnot. I mean, this was literally back in the time when people were, you know, handwriting manuscripts. I mean, that's how old we are. But anyway, um, or I am at least. Um, and so my earliest memory really, and probably that first aha moment was learning how to um, graph um, economic formulas. So, it's not so much doing the analysis part, but 
but being able to actually make the squiggly lines and the this over that equals that. And because I had to take whatever the economists were doing and then um, convert it and put so they could put it into their publications. And so, so it was a combination of learning how to take, you know, they would do their analysis and they would create a data, data set, but I wasn't able to manipulate that. So all I needed was the data that was necessary to actually create the formulas. So that was my initial foray into it. And then fast forward once I, you know, started to take on my own projects, the United Nations as an organization made a deal with Microsoft and we converted everything over to Microsoft Office. And ever since then, it's been Excel, Excel, Excel. And I know that there's something called Google Sheets out there and there's probably other, I think you can actually buy an updated version of Lotus Notes, is there? I don't even know anymore. And it's actually funny because in, in the office where I'm at now, one of the constant issues is I can tell who has done a chart or whatnot because there's one person in the office that still puts a plus before the number. And I'm like, you don't have to put the plus. Once you put the equal sign, you can just, you know, but you know what, you give up and you're like, fine, just leave the plus. But, but yeah. We talk, we talk a lot about this sh on the show, sort of the workarounds or the things that you were doing when you first came to the program and exactly. how they just stay with you. And yeah, there's not a lot. I mean, it's funny, you know, working on my manuscript, which was a long form fiction narrative, um, I started it right when the whole debate about two spaces after a period uh, really kicked off. Like one it, space, one it, space. It's been <laughs> boiling for a while, but like it was right when I was working on my, the first last draft, is it, the two spaces thing. And I have, I basically just through muscle memory had to teach myself how to just do one space. So yeah, sure. I get it, Absolutely. I get it. What about um, your biggest or favorite problem, program, or project you've tackled with a spreadsheet? I was a bridezilla or a groomzilla. <laughs> I was groomzilla. I wasn't bridezilla. I was groomzilla. Um, I, you know, I'm the one who planned out our wedding and I did this and I did that. So probably the funnest thing to, for me to look back on is like my wedding stuff. I have the invitations on there. I've got the seating chart on there. I've got the mail merge for the invitations. I've got, so there's, that's probably, I mean, that's kind of a sentimental type of thing. Um, but then I was thinking about biggest and, and I've got two sides to it. One is the single, I went back and it's pretty nerdy that you keep these things, but the single largest formula that I ever created. And it's 500 characters long. And it's a multi-dimensional if and selection. If you put this thing, it pulls from this worksheet, pay slip reverse engineering of my pay slip. And, and it's really, and, and I was thinking about this is a lot of the projects that I've had to do, I mean, besides, you know, your usual table and take this data and figure out, add this or that or the other, a lot, a lot of what I've used Excel for has been to figure out problems, is to figure out problems as in like, 
someone screwed up on my payslip. And how did, they, how, did, how did this happen? And when you work for an organization like the UN, which doesn't have the usual, you know, like we don't get W-2s and we don't get, so there's a lot of little things in that I would ask people, well, how does this, you know, deduction get calculated? And they're like, well, we don't know, it just gets calculated. I'm like, no, there's gotta be a number. No, and, and so, so anyway, I had a problem with my payslip. And I decided that I was going to reverse engineer the payslip so that I could show these people that there was a mistake. And it became a, I mean, it really did become sort of a Lord of the Rings level odyssey. And um, it goes to answer one of your other questions, which was, at what point do you ask for help? And that was really one of the ones where I knew what I wanted in my head conceptually. I wanted something where I could literally pull down this, that, the other, how many kids do you have, so on and so forth, and for it to spit out some information. And there got to a point where I just needed help with, I think it had to do with arrays and, and, and that's where I am, um, you know, it's really funny because that was really sort of my introduction to the gig economy because I ended up going online and I don't remember which, it was either guru.com or something like that. I just posted there, look at this is what I need to do. I need help. And I think I paid like 15 bucks. And, you know, in two days I had a 15, a 500 character, you know, formula that sort of took what I had and then put in some extra things, bells and whistles. So that's... I'm going to interrupt you because this reminded me of something that we haven't talked about yet on the show, which is... I had to do something similar with my um, maternity leave when Nora was born. And I was living in the state of California, which is very generous to, for parental leave, but, you, but there are lots of forms and lots of, and you have to say something and then you're, the place where you work has to corroborate it. Well, I filled it out accurately and my oh. place of employment did not. So we got paid bi-weekly at that job and the form asked for monthly pay and the business manager doubled my bi-weekly pay, no. which is yeah. not the same <laughs> as my monthly pay. And I went into his office and I was like, basically one of us has lied to the California Department of Taxation or what, and I was like, and it wasn't me. It wasn't, yeah. and, and yeah. my boss, so who's, who was above the business manager, kept saying to the business manager, just give Jamie what she wants. And I was like, <laughs> no, 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 no. I need you to see that it, what I'm asking for is accurate. And my boss was like, I believe you. And I was like, no, I need you to know. And so I ended up making a spreadsheet showing that if you doubled my biweekly pay, that is not the same as taking my annual pay and dividing it by 12, and I laid it all out for him. So yes, I agree with you 100% that when you say to someone, how did you come up with this number? And they say, we don't know, that's not an answer. Nope, it's not. Especially when it means the data that I've turned into the California State Department is wrong, but it's not me that's wrong, it's you that's wrong. So I'm sorry I interrupted you. No, 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 no. That, I lost my mind. You know, I was newly back from having a kid so my brain was mush and I had no sleep. And I was like, I don't want you to do this for me because you like me. I want you to see that I am right. And here is my spreadsheet. I've had to do 
retirement calculations for people and because mistakes were made. And, and so, you know, or even helping people with their taxes and stuff like that. I basically had to recreate a whole tax preparing spreadsheet, multiple pages and this, that, and the other. And because people were having problems, they were going to their regular CPAs and the CPAs were like, well, we don't understand what this is. We don't know this, that, and the other. And, and, and so, so a lot of, yeah, it just gets back to that issue of, you know, you're, you're doing a lot of things to, to solve problems of the day. Um, but then, but then you, on the other hand, you end up having projects. Like I had this one project when I was with, with Eclac, which de dealt with trade data. And it's my personal favorite only because it was the first time where I legitimately ran out of rows. <laughs> I was like, you know, and I'm not talking old Microsoft. I'm talking about new Microsoft. And the other day I got, I just was at my wits end because I don't understand why people leave the first column and the first row empty. Like they start their charts and their stuff on, in like cell B2. And it's just like, why are you leaving the first column open? Here's my thought. Okay, you, help me. Yeah, okay. So are they leaving those open so that when they print, it's more centered instead of doing a page setup where they're adjusting the margins and moving things around? That's my essentially yes. That's that's what they say is well, it's because it looks better. Well it's not functional like that, so I don't you know, or or for instance, I've got people who instead of doing one, two, three and then pulling down to number of lists, they'll do one and in the second row they'll do they'll do let's say A1 plus one. I'm like, you do understand though that when we move the row that it's going to mess up the number? Well, and again, that's something that <laughs> someone taught them 15 years ago. Like, I don't know if the pull down function worked 15 years ago. I had someone on the show who told me the, like the first time they saw the pull down function, their mind was blown. So I think that oh. must have not have existed. And again, people learn how to do what they learn, what they know how to do. And then they just stick with it. So it's one of those things. I mean, I think Excel is really interesting for answering that question or asking the question, do you know what you don't know? So you figured out how to use it the best to your ability to do what you need to do. But if you don't know that it could even do this other great thing, you would never think to ask because it's working well enough for you. And that is something that in normal life would drive me insane, but it's something I've heard <laughs> about Excel and I find it fascinating. Not more than a month ago, and this is actually one of the questions in your, in your little note, colors, cell colors, mm -hmm. and, and whatnot. I did not know that you could sort by color now. Well, you yes. So for years you couldn't, right? So well, for years you couldn't, and so it was like people were like, "Why do you even bother color coding? You can't sort it." And for me, I would create something sortable in the sheet and then color code it just so visually I could see it. Yes. And now, yes, I don't. I haven't broken away from that yet. So I tend not to use sort by color. Unless, I don't. Yeah, because I've learned how to do it without. But I think if I were coming to the program now, that's something that seems so useful, and I would probably use it. 
No, absolutely. And I think that there are some places where, you know, I'm sure it does and it's helpful, but I'm an OCD hoarder, information hoarder. And so the more information that's in the table is, is better for me. And so for instance, you know, there will be those that will, let's say there's medical category and there's five items in the medical category, but medical category, they'll merge this, they'll merge that cell and then there's five lines. And it's like, no people, because when you go to sort, you're going to lose all this stuff. Repeat the medical category. It doesn't matter. You're going to put it into a pivot table anyway. And if you're going to put it, so please people. And so, so yeah. And so, and, and this actually has become one of those things. I mean, you know, for, for such a long time, I was sort of on the other end where I was producing data and I was managing data and I was, you know, doing these things. And now I'm, I'm on sort of the managerial side of stuff where I've begun to like, okay, you know what? She puts the plus in front of the, after the equal sign, fine. It doesn't matter. Um, and, and, you know, the, okay, I understand why they do that. And then, but anyway, and so you just sort of accept look at it. as long as the answer is correct that's fine yeah there are definitely <laughs> spreadsheets that i would never share with anyone because they work for me and i understand how they're working and if i were to train someone on my job i, I would say like here's the information you need and here's how you're going to use it design something that works for you you don't yeah. want my chart so yeah. i get that and i'm lucky to not manage people so i don't have to look at other people's messy <laughs> excel and then freak out but if we're ever at work when we do work on joint projects like we so i'm involved um at a seminary where we onboard adjunct faculty members so many sure. offices right like the library needs to create accounts the business office needs to create payroll i work in the dean's office we need to we create the um letters of agreement and i'm like i'll make the chart <laughs> ah, do you share the chart and have people put in information themselves or do you keep hold of the chart right so in this case there are three of us that tend to enter the data and other people will call me and be like hey i just talked to so and so can you put this in the chart and so people sort of self-select whether yeah. but they know how i am so like if somewhere else if someone else owned it they might be putting it in themselves but because it's me they just know it's better to call me and tell me and it's fine it works fine and um it was designed it's color-coded where i'm responsible for all of the things in pink the business office is responsible for all of the things in yellow so like people i don't have it locked down we don't need to do that we, we're all adults but people know sort of what columns they're responsible for as the onboarding process goes from here i would like this person to teach this class to here we are now ready to pay this person and do you do do you do tick boxes or no tick boxes no i do dates so i generally okay. i really know when things happen so no okay. i tend not to do tick boxes yeah oh, yeah that's <laughs> so for me it really helps like if i i can go to a column and say i asked the professors for what we need from them on this date and i gave them this deadline to get back to us and here's when they got back to us so i can then sort by any row to say sure. have i is it on me have i not reached out to the right people have they 
are they in their grace period and we're not going to bug them? Are they past their grace period? Have they done? So yeah, tick boxes wouldn't be as helpful. Um, I'm also not, I don't believe that Excel charts have to look pretty. My gosh, when I see a Word document and, and even a Word document that's a form or whatnot, or if it's got multiple columns and like one line is longer than the other, I'm just like, put a table in there. Right. I mean, you could literally cut and paste it into Excel and Excel would accept it. Right. But, um, right. But yeah. yeah. So that's... I, I've definitely started projects in Word. I don't do it so much anymore, but I have started projects in Word and then like gotten an hour in and been like, this needs to be Excel. Why didn't I start it in Excel? So now I've like taught myself, but yes. Um, what is the silliest thing you've ever used a spreadsheet for? So the greatest, most incredible thing I ever used a spreadsheet for, it was part of the cooking project. And so we, we, we did these cooking classes during the normal course of the year, we would do a saint in a country and we do a meal. And so I decided that for Christmas, we should bake cookies. And we teamed up because, of course, I didn't have nothing else to do. I was also on the PTO. And I had, we were doing the Christmas fair at the end, you know, at Christmas fair. And so I said, and they said, well, let's do, you know, we'll have cookies and milk with Santa Claus. And I said, well, why don't we bake the cookies? Because, of course, you don't have anything else to do. By the third year, we made 25 different cookies. And we made over 5,000 cookies in total. And so I had to create, I realized very quickly that 25 recipes and all of their ingredients, there was no way that I was going to be able to keep track of that. So I broke down each one of the recipes, put them into Excel, made conversions, blah, 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 and made this beautiful 11 by 17 ledger that I then took to Costco and a dozen other stores to buy all the ingredients. So that is definitively the craziest thing I've ever had to use Excel for. Wow, I love that. I mean, it's certainly, <laughs> it's certainly not silly, like not useful, but it's, it's certainly amazing. I totally support that. <laughs> All right, Indeed. so you are an Excel devotee. Are you Excel. a Mac, Mac, PC, tablet, phone? What's your... PC, I use an iPhone, but I've never had the pleasure of owning a Mac. So it's, uh, it's PC, Microsoft Suite, all the way. That's me. Favorite command or function? Oh, you know what? It's, it's so funny because I know a number of people have said this, cannot, and I can never pronounce it <laughs> properly. Anyway, whatever it is, yes. um, that's probably my favorite one, just being able to, to pull things. But a lot of those functions- Concatenate, thank you. Yes, yes. yes. there it yes. is, concatenate. <laughs> um, a lot of the ones like Len and, because lots of times I find myself having to clean information. I do that a fair amount of that is cleaning data and stuff and just learning how to merge cells and unmerge cells and stuff like that. So those are my, those are usually my favorite ones, I guess. Cool. Um, what's one thing about spreadsheets that you think other people might not know? More is better. I mean, just in terms of don't, don't limit yourself. And even if you have to repeat stuff, you can take it out later, but, but yeah, it's, it's spreadsheets are meant to be that there's a reason why they have so many cells use them. <laughs>
Um, and I think I know the answer to this, but do you know why and how to make a pivot table? I know why and how to make a pivot table. Um, I have even dabbled in the occult, which is pivot um, graphs and stuff, pivot pie charts and stuff like that, um, which they have improved incredibly over the years. But yes, I do know how to do pivot tables. And I actually, <laughs> I was, I, I have been cursed um, because, uh, at, or cursed at, I should say, not cursed, but <laughs> only because, because in, my, in my interview, so whenever I hire people now, I actually have a pivot table exercise because I really need people know, to know how to do pivot tables. And the dirty looks that I get from people as they're turning in their work is just shy of you are evil yeah. incarnate. Yeah. And so, so yes, we must know pivot tables. So I think I may have mentioned this interview on the podcast before, but I once had an interview with a woman and all she wanted to know about me was whether I knew how to do text to column. And I was like, yeah. I, I do. Like, do you want to talk about anything else? I mean, in the course of the interview, she mentioned it like six times and it should have been a big, big red flag. I ended up getting the job, taking the job and not lasting very long in the job. But I was like, huh, this is interesting. So yes. So, uh, cursed or cursed at one or the other Indeed. <laughs> um we are now into our final thoughts segment of the program so any media books movies shows podcasts that you are loving right now and want to shout out i mean you may not have that kind of time in the kind of work that you're doing other than the queen's gambit which i think everyone has seen which i've also seen which is is great and and uh and, and, and for some unknown reason, I never saw Suits when it was out. Oh, neither have I, actually. One of my friends loves it. Well, I am now in season six. And okay. <laughs> so, okay. so, Good to know. <laughs> Anything you're working on, things you want to shout out, your social media handles, we'll certainly put the link to the cookbook in the show notes. Why don't you tell us again what it's called? So it's Cooking with the Saints. And it's by Alexander Greeley and Fernando Flores, yours truly. And, uh, and it's, it's just a, it's a really cool um, thing that's, it's, it's not just a cookbook. The, the beauty of it is it's, it's also, it tells the story of, dif of the saints, of different saints and, um, and shares recipes from the countries that they're either from or where they did their work. And so, so it's something that's, that's, it's a nice project to have. I was actually talking to someone recently about it and I said, well, did you set out to do this? I'm like, no, I, I have no intention to, but it's kind of one of those things that maybe everyone should have on their bucket list that they write something. And I'm happy to say that I have written something. And I'm so happy for you. It just makes me so happy. I have given the book as a gift and I highly recommend it. Thank you very much. Um, and this is our last question, and it's the one you get to ask of me, which is re can be related to spreadsheets or not. It's totally open book time. Listening to the shows and, and to stuff, and, and I've heard a lot of people, and I've spent a, I actually, after one of the, one of the podcasts that was talking about um, book writing, like from a, from a, from a nonfiction perspective and just using, using Excel to track storylines 
and, and this actually isn't so much as a question, but I actually thought a lot about it after after one of the shows, and uh, and I want to talk to you later about that because okay. I have some ideas. I think there is actually something to be said in there for about using Excel to keep track of storylines. I think your episode is scheduled to come out right after my writing spreadsheet guru podcast. Oh, so, perfect. So stay tuned. I had a great conversation with Michelle who taught me how to plot my book using Excel spreadsheets. And the joke was when I, she was my mentor and she said, how do you feel about spreadsheets? And I was like, hello, baby. Like, let's go. <laughs> so, um, Well, that's good. <laughs> yes, by now, hopefully everyone will have heard that episode. If not, you should definitely go back and listen to it. Excellent. So cool. Fernando, thank you so much for taking time to talk to me. I really had no idea you were back in Colombia, and I am so grateful that you took time out of your busy day, but I'm also more grateful for the kind of work you're doing on behalf of really all of us. So thank you. My pleasure. Thank you very much. And I'm happy. And, and it's things like this and talking about funky things like Excel and columns that, that make things sane. So <laughs> I'm happy to be on the show with you. And just, I love the, I love the podcast and I hope, uh, I hope the columns keep on columning. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening today. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review everywhere you get your podcasts. Find us on Twitter at column underscore pod. Special thanks to Nora Grace and Josiah for our theme song, Sam Schindler for editing and production, Nick Peterson for additional music, and you for listening. Have a great day.